0: So this week, we're going a little bit further down this med spa rabbit hole as we are starting to lift the layers as to what's happening in the industry. So guys, I'm going to always, you know, ask those questions. And I know it's not comfortable. I know some of you guys are just super, you know, hyped about opening your own med spas, wanting to get your MDs, your medical director, your paperwork in order, and all of that. And I applaud that wholeheartedly. I feel like that is where the industry is going. It's going very much in the direction of what beauty salons did you know with hiring you know basically renting out a chair and then salon. I know if you're a medical provider and you're listening to this you're like Please stop the madness. Please stop talking about how, you know, it's turning into like a hair salon business model. Guys, I don't make the rules and neither do you. The consumer makes the rules, how they want to buy, what they're willing to do to get their hands on those services. And um, and unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of people, a whole lot of people doing it on an unethical level. So my, you know, whole call to action is let's shed some light, you know, illuminate that path no pun intended, but kind of sort of is intended. Um, And let's get a little bit, you know, down in the trenches and figure out what's happening in the industry so that then we know how to position ourselves in a place that we don't get grouped with everyone else that's doing it wrong or fudging it or do it. I mean, that's the biggest objective, right? So you don't want to be categorized in that same light because what ends up happening is, is that number one, you get shocked you get discount. You know, requested. You get called on by the board for things that you didn't even you know think of doing, but yet you're, you know, being questioned about. There's so many pieces to um, what can happen in this industry, and I feel like it's so important that we talk about that because what ends up happening later is that you know you're like well i didn't know you know i have to now go present to the board or i now have a lawsuit and i don't know where my medical director is he won't return my calls or um you know they're threatening to um shut me down because i don't have maybe something super simple and you know and when i ask for you know help from my so-called attorney that i hired two years ago he's nowhere, she's nowhere to be found either. These are all very real scenarios. And I and the reason why I know about them is I get those calls every day. I get people asking me every day in mad panic, right? What do I do? I just, I got myself in this situation. What do I do? And it's starting to get more prevalent. And so now it's a question of how do we, again, stand aside from those types of problems, you know, let those problems be someone else's problems, not your problems, and let us be informed as we navigate this next, you know, phase. And if it means opening up a new med spa, having all your ducks in a row, um, perfect. I applaud your effort. I feel like that, again, is where the industry is going, but there are pieces that we can definitely dial in and have in order. Um, I saw a post today on one of the forums on Facebook, um, medical you know, aesthetics forums about like, med spas the industry's getting gross you know every doctor's for rent now and all this stuff and you know what that's not you know a false statement i've seen a lot of that um, I get a lot of those questions. Should I sign up with a medical director that has no experience? So we're gonna dive into all of this. We're gonna tease it out. We're gonna actually take excerpts from the book that I'm putting together. Um, I have been putting it together for the past year and a half. I actually pulled it back twice now because of so many changes in the industry. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Let's make sure we've got everything we can in here so that it really is to the minute to date. Uh, relevant and then um, so I'm going to share some of those excerpts because I really feel like it's important. We're going to talk about questions and things to really start aligning your um, kind of your, your ammo as far as how you're going to really, you know, take charge of the the way you're going to set up. Um, if you're already a doctor and you're looking to set up a med spa and you are looking to hire nurses, how you partner with those folks. So these are all uh, give and takes that are so important to have on the front end because that, that will keep you out of trouble. on. Um, the back end. With that said, let's dive in. Medical aesthetics. It's like such a trend. Med spa ownership. I want to be like a boss, babe. So you want to break into the industry or maybe you're already in the biz and like, what the (laughs) f***? What the f***? Ladies and gentlemen, Patty Rappa, MedSpa mentor and business gurus, got you. Thank God. Welcome to Illuminating the Path to All Things MedSpa RX. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be talking about this topic because, again, we're going to be teasing out a lot over the next several weeks. On how to really navigate this new med spa industry uh, space that we're in, and I call it new because even though it's not new, it the way it's being done is totally new, and there's definitely a lot of bending of you know rules and guidelines and regulations and stuff. And so my goal is again, um, I'd like to say it was completely altruistic, but it's not. I'm a franchisor. I'm looking for. Potential franchisees, I don't ever expect you know someone that calls me to be an immediate franchisee. Um, in fact, um, our organization does really, really good qualifying of that, and the reason why is because not everyone's gonna be a fit. There's actually five different zones of existing in the med spa world we talk about that in the book um med spa mentor that i hopefully will be wrapping up and taking to market here before the end of the year um and what i'm going to be doing in there is you know really identifying a lot of the pieces so that there is some really good guidelines and the reason why we don't like immediately look for franchisees in all our conversations is because you know one out of 50 folks are going to fall completely out of the gamut of what we have to offer, and um, with loose, loose lounges and without having, um, you know, known the person and all of that, it's really hard to figure out what you know where they sit. So we built the book for that purpose to help people kind of, you know, filter and you know curtail, you know, those areas a little bit more tight, tighten them up so that we know if it's going to fit or not. It's not, you know, years and years of discovery, trying to figure it out. And the other thing is, is that this podcast serves as that purpose as well, so that we can then, you know, have folks know what we're about and how to work with us and what we expect and the guidelines that we uphold. And so with that said, we're going to take some of the excerpts from the book that are super necessary. Guys, I cannot tell you how necessary it is, especially today. I didn't really even think, when I was writing this, I didn't really even think that it was gonna get to this point in the industry, um, but we're here, and it's now, and it's where everybody, you know, is like hot and hot and ready to open up a med spa, even if they have no experience, they've never touched a syringe on a Botox level, they've never even attended a class, um, they've never, you know, and it's so, crazy the amount of folks, there's companies, entire comes, I've talked about this in previous episodes, companies opening up left and right, trying to, you know, get into the space, fast tracking their nurses, you know, whether or not they have experience, or not fast tracking them, here's how you do it, now go out in the field and do the treatments and blah, blah, blah and it's scary. It's really scary. And so what I am trying desperately to do is to build some guidelines that are going to, again, help us in the long run as a franchisor, but most of all, help the industry, build some metrics, build some guidelines, some boundaries, you know, and say, hey, this is where, you know, we're going into like the weeds. We shouldn't be here and we need to get back on main road. Um, so that said, let's talk about the five haves QA for your end Uh, d and your pa um, or your lead rn that you plan to partner with and if you're an md this these are the questions that you should be getting from your potential rns or anyone that in fact that is looking to open up and rent a license so-called from um you know you as a provider Um, and i say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because it it's kind of like this whole like There's agencies out there that basically that's the slang for it, and I'm sure you've heard it before. Um, But the reality is, is that there's a lot of doctors that are just really nonchalant about it. And I'm hoping that that's not you. I'm hoping that you're going to take some of these guidelines and you're going to apply them. Maybe make a little cheat sheet, chart, whatever from them so that when you have someone approach you for this type of role, you can then um, have some level of expectation on what that person needs to have in order before they even engage on a conversation with you about using your license for that. On at our end level, guys, if you're not asking your MDs, your PAs, your NPs, folks that you're planning to partner with these five questions, you are going to find yourself in some difficult, difficult situations When it comes down to you know problems, it could be an you know a client problem, could be an HR problem. You could be called out by one of your staff people, your fellow team members that you know and love and think would never betray you, but then all of a sudden they they file a claim with the medical board and they say that you're doing everything wrong or whatnot. You could find yourself in a situation where you full on have an occlusion and you don't know what to do, and you may say, well I've got guidelines, I've got a I got a a play-by-play book that I can go into. Yes. But did you know that a lot of times, you know, if you don't have the amount of hyaluronase to do the dissolve, or if the client has even a worse complication where it's maybe, you know, making them blind, something that you did makes them blind all of a sudden, ERs don't know how to handle it. ERs are not equipped. They're not trained on this stuff. So there's a lot here that you need to be super, super informed about. I feel. Again, that's my two cents Um, and hopefully this will serve you. And again, this is just little excerpts from um, what I'm writing to, again, help us in our process of filtering through uh, franchisees and hopefully help you in the process as you are navigating this and seeing if it's going to be a fit for you to do the med spa world. So first one, uh, first question I like to ask is what is your experience with med spas? Um, as a patient or a provider. You know, an MD, you know, in my opinion, the MT doesn't need to have full aesthetics training, a background, but must have had some level of understanding of all the services offered and some level of formal training to know how to care for the patient if an escalation happens. And that, you know, is where they can take classes. A lot of states actually require this, the MD to have some level of, of certificate or training, but that, is kind of scratch the surface, it's okay, but they have to be able to go a step further. They actually have to know how to deal with real problems as they happen. So three types of medical escalations that can happen in this type of uh, setting would be burns, um, arterial occlusion, and skincare reactions to the treatment. If the MD knows how to um, remediate the problem, great, Um, that's a must question, it's a a must have for me. Everybody that I'm affiliated with either has some level of emergency room experience or is a plastic surgeon, or has some level of um, previous training in these three main areas. If you're an NP or a PA, most likely, (coughs) excuse me, you'll you'll oversee the services. So experience is a major must. In fact, the person that, you know, is usually clearing the patients for treatments, which is the good faith exam, which you must do. If you're an RN coming in, you must do that. If you're an MP or an MD, you need to have somebody doing these good faiths, you know, somewhere, please. Um, And there's lots of agencies and people that you can contract out there to do these types of services. They're all over the place now, so there should never be an excuse to not have good faith exams, even something as simple as laser hair removal, if your state requires it. If it doesn't require it, I would still recommend having it anyways because you still don't know if a person is still going to come back and say you know what i never talked to a doctor this person just started treating office some of them are actually required to be within a radius of the spa that's something to be looking for. Um, number, and, and as far as your state guidelines, uh, check with the compliance um, legal state and look for all of these little pieces that are kind of, they sneak up on you. So definitely read carefully and make sure that you are watching for those little intricate pieces that could be, oh, I didn't realize that you know, my MD doesn't live in the same state or doesn't even live in the same county and that's actually a problem. Um, in some states, if you even have a laser, it's within 10 miles, you know, we're more than 10 miles of where the MD is, main their main office, then you have a problem. And so things like this are going to pop up. It's important that you know these laws, and you might be saying, I'm not a lawyer. Like, guys, it's not that hard to pull up the laws of the medical board. Spend an afternoon, get yourself a latte, and just dig in. You will save yourself so much money with lawyers just to have had that first sweep and understand at least you know what's there. You may not all have it all figured out, and that's okay. But at least do a first sweep because I promise you, when you do hire that lawyer for you know two three hundred bucks an hour, you're going to want those conversations to be pointed. You're going to want them to be able to be able to be like, "I "I read this, but I'm not clear on it. Can you give me a little bit more clarity, please?" So these are important pieces to. You know, again, start teasing out, creating your own set of questions on what needs to happen um, on a commitment level from your MD. If you're an MP or a PA and you're performing the good faith exams only, that can that piece can be done remotely. There's tons of platforms, uh, software and so on that you can do that. In fact, some of those services um, are, there's, like I said, agencies that specialize in 100% uh, you know, remote compliance and doing those good faith exams. Um, the other piece is that if you are part of the team and you're working, um, and you're maybe on required to be on the floor, um, that's a big you know question to ask and say, okay, what kind of services? And this comes down to, and this is a great one to definitely note, comes down to what level of complications are the services that you are you know overseeing or creating um, good faith exams for if you are considered to be the person that is uh, in charge, uh, supervising um, NP or PA, and that means you know, and and this is the tricky part because everybody wants to do everything, right? Everybody got into the semi glide, and then they start finding out there's complications to it. Everybody got into like, let's rebuild noses with you know filler. Let's rebuild somebody's chin, you know, and all of a sudden there's complications. Let's go ahead and do some temple filler, and oh, I, by the way, I can make you blind. Um, lots of things, you know. There's so many things. I don't know if it's filler or Botox, one of those things make you blind. But anyhow, um, it's important that you have these questions really well dialed in if you're required to be on the floor two to three days a week because and the question is what level of complication are we doing here at this here spa um, are we doing you know baseline stuff or are we doing you know we rebuilding noses you know which is one of the most difficult ones um, these are things that you should know before going in and they definitely know if they're doing it on the low down because um, we've actually had to let go of nurses that were doing things on the low down that weren't even authorized or cleared to do just because they took a class and they were just, I know how to do this now so I'm offering it to my patients and it's like, mm, no, you you know, did this treatment, now you have a complication and you, no one cleared you for that. And so these are questions that should be asked on the front end, you know, and have super clarity. And if the people that are asking you to join the team don't know the answer to this, they don't really know their med spa model yet. There's five, like I said, there's five zones to the med spa model that you have to be, you know, super clear on. Where do you fit? I call it who's who in the med spa zoo. Um, and so you have to be able to identify where you fit. If you're a solo provider, if you are a multi location provider, if you're a team leader, if you are a, you know, all of these. Different layers of um, existence in the med spa world we detail them out um, in the in the materials that we provide and um, and it's yeah you have to be able to answer that so like, what level are we at where are we at in this in this hierarchy of this practice are we just starting out doing like low-level stuff a little bit of laser hair removal maybe a little bit of baby Botox maybe a little bit of this you know kind of um, low-grade peels nothing too crazy you know maybe a little fail safe peel like a perfect peel or something that's good Um, or are we full on doing a full-on you know 30% TCA and taking people's faces off work worse cosmolon, you know how do we handle that complication these are things you should ask for sure Um, And the third part of this question is if you are an RN, and more than likely um, the spa will heavily rely on you to perform a bulk of the treatments, and that means availability is a must. Um, I don't know very many RNs that just have the luxury of just, you know, authorizing and overseeing unless you have a very big med spa and you have a lot of experience and they may set you in that position of just overseeing the other nurses most of the time you are still taking patients um, and so we've had nurses that you know still work part-time in hospitals do part-time aesthetics however the nurses that truly excel um, and fully enjoy the fruits of the industry are the ones that are on the floor why simply because it's a high trust business guys it's an essential for RNs to look you know the be the brand and to be that knowledgeable provider and so that bleeds down to your junior nurses that are looking for that leadership Um, we've noticed that over the years our model is actually our franchise model is actually to not have super high-end uh, like long-term um, because we don't do high, high-end services on on that level. We're not rebuilding faces and noses and all that stuff. We're very conservative with the treatments. And so we actually specialize in training up newbies and we have head folks in the, in the seat ready to train and work with these folks, but not necessarily... Um, allowing them to get into the weeds by any means. And so when we work with our um, RNs, we are very clear. It's like, you have to put in the time. Um, Your senior RN staff is going to oversee your treatments. And this is where we draw the line. You don't go past this line. You know, you don't, you don't, we don't do services again that are going to be difficult or cause high liability or high problems, simply good results. And, you know, very easygoing type of med spa model. Um, And so it's um it's okay to not have to work you know full time in this if you're a lead RN in this space because you can oversee you can be selective on your services your junior RNs can take over a lot of the day to day treatments and you can specialize on more of the complicated higher end treatments if you have the experience in the background obviously um, it's recommended you know that it's just really looked at as more of a Um, administrative, not so much um, as a, if you are in the space and you're an RN, not so much as a provider provider, because you can also find yourself in competition with your providers. So kind of watch for that line, especially if you're, you know, also if you're an NP, there's times where it can become a little bit difficult to lead a team if you're, you know, getting all the good stuff. And so if you are in a management position, I would say, you know, look for the opportunities to grow the team long-term, it's gonna pay off in dividends for you, it's very much like investing in the stock market, in my opinion, because you are actually investing in other people who will then actually go and do good things because of your great training, and that's going to then result in you getting better compensation, hopefully, from your head ups and having more of that pipeline of providers that you can trust to do good treatments versus having, you know, a bunch of folks that are just kind of bitter that you're taking the great, you know, great treatments, not really you know, training or teaching them anything new, and then they're just kind of getting the grunt work. Um, Very different model, and that's, again, part of the conversation that I would want to have on the front end. It's like, where are you at? Um, How are you positioning yourself as a provider? Are you just looking to come in and do all the sweet services that um, everyone's coveting, or are you looking to raise up your fellow team members and train them and help them grow Um, because you understand that this is a, you know, growth-minded establishment. These are things that I'm super, super careful about when, you know, when we're interviewing, and I call people out on this all the time, especially when they start going off the rails. You know, I've had leaders and have said, you know, um, you know, it looks a lot like you're taking, you know, more of the greater, instead of really building the team up, you're taking a lot of the greater treatments, The treatments that are the most fun and you know and it's great but you know your team members are suffering and they're quitting believe it or not because you are not raising them up and they don't feel like they're growing and so that was i've had those call out moments too with my senior staff and um and it's kind of like shocking to hear it's like what do you mean i'm not a team player it's like "Mm, that's just kind of where you know it's kind of falling a little short Uh, So that's number two, that's a very important piece as far as how often will you, what what does your commitment look like? Are you available, you know, daily, weekly, monthly? Um, How do you fit in this scope of um, this ecosystem that we're building in this med spa? And how do we feel about, you know, building up other folks and helping them be successful too? Number three, how much money are you looking to make from a single location? This is a big one. Because everybody paints this great old picture of med spa is a money cash machine and you make so much and then you see these numbers and all of that I can tell you with a thousand percent certainty again I've done more consulting and turnaround management for more med spas in the last 15 years than I can even count on both hands and I can tell you with all the certainty I have in my every fiber that if you are clearing 30% 35%, 35% and that means profit from what you're making on a monthly basis. You are winning in this space. Most folks and again, mind you, they call me when they're in trouble and I do the turnaround management for them because they're in trouble, so that has it that factors in. But what I've seen in this space is that if you know, if an owner is clearing 25%, we're talking about EBITDA, it's like literally you know, earnings before interest, um, depreciation, all that good stuff, right? I'm not going to get into that kind of, that took me years to even learn. So, um, but you can Google it. Um, But earnings before interest, earnings before, you know, all of that, you know, you should be clearing at least 25%. Great if you're clearing 35%. If you're clearing more than that, I want to talk to you because that is, you know, very, very, you know, impressive. Um, it's it's not very common to be making tons and tons of money um, as an owner. Now, that said, is it great steady income? Is it great ways to, like if you have multi-location or you are doing trainings or, you? yes, there's so many facets to this business, right? So an MD, let's start with the MD. Again, this goes in three parts every time goes MD and PPA, and then it goes to lead RN. So the MD is no secret that hanging one's license in the med and I'm reading from my book now at this point, no secret that hanging one's license on a med spa practice can be a great passive income. Most MDs will offer their uh, licenses up for a fee, others will outright want to own the practice. For compliance purposes, a number of other complications can happen um, when you do the former and therefore I favor the latter, which Is not always possible when it comes down to financial bandwidth. Each spa is gonna defer in the amount of income it can generate. An owner-operator should be able to see at least, again, 30 to 35% profit after year two. Please note that. It's not gonna happen within the first two years. I hope that it will, and maybe you'll see that, but more than likely, it's after year two. Um, And then significantly, um, if you are, you know, doing, only like medical director role, it's not going to be obviously thirty to thirty-five percent. It's probably going to be a flat fee. It's probably going to be depending on what your state permits, um, or it may be a small percentage, like a ten percent or you know twenty percent. Lots of different ways. Um, but if you're the owner, and again, I'm always a big fan of owner MDS because that means that your med spa is really super um, solid and capable. It does a lot for the MD to be the full on owner. When I say med spa, there's different ways to, there's spas with med spa attachments and different, I'm just talking about the medical business side of it. You should be, you know, the one in the, the, an MD should be in the driver's seat. Um, so, um, it's worth the investment, great passive income, great way, you know, to really get your, um, your retirement setup, all that good stuff. And then, you know, and again, I'm not a financial planner by any means, so I'm not giving financial advice. This is just stuff that I have noticed in the field before. Um, And, you know, um, most exit strategies um, are super easy to do as well. As far as a sale, an acquisition, um, there's lots of folks that are, you know, ready and able to then take over your med spa and give you a pretty good penny for it. So I love the idea of uh, MDs Stepping in um and how much money they can make is around again 30-35 percent. Um maybe a th- ten, maybe less if you're just the MD. But um hopefully you're the owner and you're making a little bit more. Now, if you're the NP and PA, again this every dressing different roles here, um typically you make a significant amount of income. Um, from the services, if you're providing services to the patient, that's always a given because MPs and PAs get paid well. Um, But it's especially great if you are doing all the um, MSO responsibilities, because then there is a management piece that comes your way, hopefully. And especially great if you are providing the good faith exams and making sure that the spa is compliant. So that should be another piece of income or some type of contract that comes your way. So that's a three-part income stream, if you will, in my opinion. I feel that, you know, an NPPA that is doing the management, overseeing the spa, that is a management contract. Um, if you are doing the you know good faith exams and all of that, you're clearing patients for treatment. That is a compliance contract. And if you're doing and you know your, your uh, policies and procedures contract. Um, and if you're also doing the simple task of, not so simple, really, seeing patients, treating patients, um, then at that point then you should be compensated for that. So it's not all inclusive, full bundle thing. In my opinion, it should be broken out into sections because here's why. At one point you may say I'm done with the admin I really don't want to do HR I'm sick of these people calling in sick I'm having to cover their shifts I'm having to do this I'm having to do that I just simply want to see my patients so is the conversation then going to be with your owners or your doctor um, so now we need to cut your salary back because you're not doing the admin anymore that's awkward so why don't you just segment it out from the beginning and make it a nice contract and make it easy or even better if you decide you don't want to see patients anymore you're like i'm done being behind the chair i only want to focus on the admin i only want to focus on the good faith exams i actually love having you know work-life balance i want to work from home you know three days a week because I don't have to see patients every day. Um, now you can factor that out, and you can say I'm just going to take out the piece that is about seeing clients, but I'm going to keep my, I'm going to retain my uh, contracts to do good faith exams, and also retain my admin contract, and that makes it less awkward. No one has to cut back salaries or, you know, anything. It's it's much more um, pliable that way. Um, finally, lead RN in the event that you know um, NPPA is not available. This partnership on a leadership level um, is phenomenal as well. As long as again, three to five years experience minimum um, in aesthetics. Um, each, you know, scenario is different. Sometimes it's more about managing inventory and doing the trainings, managing financials. We actually coach our franchisees to train up their RNs to work on an MSO level, believe it or not, because that makes such good sense. So knowing all the MSO fundamentals, even for your NPs and PAs, if they're serving for that administrative contract is phenomenal, helps a lot, and it really makes things super duper easy, Uh, especially if somebody gets tired of a role and wants to cut back, you're not having to then go back and renegotiate pay um, and all that because it's kind of all partitioned out from the get-go. Question number four. How much operating capital do you have? That's a question I like to ask because if they're not properly funded, you can have problems, major problems. And I've been in this boat before. Again, I've been called on when people are, you know, usually in turnaround management crisis uh, phases. And they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my med spa. I want to sell it. I want to get rid of it. Or I want to cash flow it, but I don't know how. Um, I'm getting choked out and with my bills and I just don't, I don't know what to do at this point. And so um, these are questions that I like to kind of have on the front end so that you're not finding yourself in those dire straight situations. So it's almost, you know, pretty common actually um, with, because all the different scenarios and ways that you can now build them out. Um, so what does it mean to have proper operating cap, capital for all the med spa needs? Um, first, you gotta have a few months, you know, in the bank, possibly a full year. That's going to help if you, your payroll and everything is, you know, in the bank and you can, f- you know, fluff it up that way. And if you come short, um, on some level, and you need to be able to like cover it. You're not finding yourself in like an, you know, oh shit situation. And you are able to pay everybody on time, which is so essential to maintain your staff and to maintain the integrity and also the culture, you know, people don't feel good when they don't get paid, obviously. Um, very toxic environment after that, um, and so the variable is there to make sure that you have at least, a, you know, I'd like to see, you know, somewhere at least three months minimum, uh, preferably up to a year. It can be um, pretty expensive if you're not um, prepared, because then you end up having to pay a lot of other um, fees and backtrack, and you know, when especially if a machine goes down, you have to get it fixed. Um, you're now having to, and what I mean by expensive is you have to turn away business. And you're like, oh, I wasn't prepared to have that expense. Now I have to turn away business that maybe I needed. And so you, it's not just the cost of the machine or the cost of the labor that is sitting and not working because the machine's out, it's actually the cost of lost income that could have come into your spa. So it adds up pretty quickly. Um, talk about you know layers of expense, there's a lot there. Um, if you wanna start out on a luxury level, you know, you need to have at least 500 to a million in the bank. That's my, you know, recommendation. Now, we don't do that with our franchises. In fact, our franchise entry level um, is about 200,000 max you need um, to kick it off and to have, and that includes everything. But we also have a different kind of model. It's not, we're not building out franchises, you know, decked with marble and chandeliers. We're building out very fun look lounges that have, you know, fun you know furniture and I very easily found um, you know we're not doing full build-outs and stuff like that it's it's very easy turnkey doctor offices kind of set up but they're built like lounges and they're super fun you know looking and all that Um, so it depends on where you come in um, but it's important that you ask that question on a front-end level because if you don't have clear expectations on what that's gonna look like here's what can happen you now have somebody that is, you know, expecting to have a full-blown luxury space. Is going to market it as such. Uh, maybe have premium services. Maybe premium going after premium types of clients, and that may fall short. Or the ver- vice versa, you have folks that are like. You know, spending an arm and a leg building out a premium space, and yet the best they can do is bring in a bunch of Groupon clients, which is not terrible if you know how to cash flow Groupon client. You know how to actually partner with them in their journey of you know med spa services instead of just selling them that $59 offer. So that's why it's important to know where you're starting on a capital level if you are truly, truly going to navigate this in a way that's going to make sense for you in the long run. And the other piece, and this is a big one is you have to know how you're going to staff. So the first thing people do right out the door is like, I'm going to put out an ad for an experienced injector um, to come in and I only want to pay her $45 an hour. You're not going to find her. You're just not going to find her. Um, If you do, ask what's wrong and why they're only asking for $45 an hour because most of the time experienced injectors are very very good at like bringing in their own clients or have a following of some sort. And they are working at a much, and when I say experience at least three plus years, um, has a really strong Instagram account with at least 10,000 followers really knows their, their business. They're, they're not just fudging it and they're not just hoping for the best. Um, and so those folks, you know, are just not going to be looking on indeed for jobs. Um, so how, what does that look like? Well, if you have a beautiful spa and all, it's like, okay, now the conversation is different. If I want to bring an experienced injector, now I gotta to have to talk to them about partnerships and what that looks like, and I gotta have the right paperwork in place. Because if she's bringing, if she's the business, basically that's what it turns out to be, right? She's the business. Then that means if something is not to her liking, could she just pick up and leave and take all the clients with her? Yeah, maybe she could. And you may have all the non-competes in the world, but I guess that doesn't really matter anymore, especially with all the laws that have come through in the last few years. So. Um, now you're looking at you know rebuilding the business, and you got a great marble and chandelier space, but you don't really have an experienced injector. So to know these pieces on the front end is so critical. Um, what you want to see happen. Um, very, very much a piece of the puzzle because um, it's unrealistic again to think that you just because you build it, they will come. And I'm not talking about the clients. I'm talking about your, you know, your superstar staff. Um, so that is sorry. I meant to preload to preload that with this is an MD point of view. On an NP point of view, um, PA point of view, you want to know if you've got capital to sustain. The growth so if you're partnering because you're an MP or maybe you're trying to open up on your own as well and you're in a state that's allowing that um, you have to again are you gonna be taking all the clients are you gonna be there five six seven days a week um, if you're not how much operating capital do you have on the front end so that you can then subsidize your income when you're not taking all those patients or Train up a trainee, and do you have proper documentation in place? So if that trainee learns all your good, you know, all your goodies, um, and knows how to do what you know how to do, if they leave, will you be stuck then taking all the patients? Will you be working, you know? And and when I say if they leave, I say that kind of often because people are transitioning, you know, right now. And this is one of the reasons why I pulled my my book back and said, no, 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 we got actually address some of this is people are transitioning. There are companies out there that are designed to literally recruit nurses out of med spas. And again, nobody wants to hear that, but it's the truth. And if it's out there and we should talk about it, we should, you know, figure out what to do. Um, and so, and I don't, again, so I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's great. It makes us all up our game. It makes us all step up, um, but yeah, it's important because it's gonna make such a huge difference to how you set yourself up. And if you have, if you're gonna, you know, train up a bunch of folks to learn what you know, great but are those folks you know going to be able to uphold your standards and that and are they you know if they do depart and they are recruited out are they going to respect your client you know roster and not try to poach clients and so on uh, what kind of guidelines do you have built in? What kind of legal protection do you have? So, um, these are things that you'll have to be thinking about on an NPPA level. As an RN, how much capital do you have? It's important too because you may be in a ramp up stage where you may not have a lot of clients, you know, booking you out. I've had these scenarios before. Um, experience RNs looking for opportunities, partnership opportunities, but yet they're not fully booked out. You have to ask yourself do I have the luxury to give? my junior nurses, patients, and not take them myself so that I can make the income I wanna make. Can I actually live on maybe some savings um, so that I can build up my team of junior RNs and then I have more work-life balance. I can then you know, depend on that income. I've worked out a deal with my employer to where I actually make money um, off of the volume of what the spa's doing. These are all scenarios that you need to tease out. And so it's important to have that piece dialed in, first and foremost, because it gives you um, lots of really good leverage points. And especially when things start getting busier and more complicated and you don't really know um, how to navigate when it comes down to like, okay, so-and-so left. Now I'm taking the bulk of the clients. How am I getting paid on that? Um, do I need to depend on some of my reserves? Um, and you don't want to get bitter. You don't want to be like, now I'm depending on my reserves. Damn it. I thought I had my team built, you know? No, it's like, okay, this is part of the course. It's part of, you know, how we navigate these changing, ever changing trends in our industry. And then number five, um, this one is important, um, because it can be a little tricky, um, for different personality types. And it can also make or break your med spa. And that is what kind of marketing are you familiar with? So if you've been in this space at all for a hot second, there is probably a marketing company that has hit you up at some point promising to put 30, 50 patients in your chair within 30 days. Um, no front end fees, we guarantee our work. So many offers out there to market your med spa. What do those offers really entail? It's Pretty simple. It's like some irresistible offer that people will buy. Discount offer, and then the opportunity to you know help you get the client in the door so you can upsell them. Hopefully, you've got a good upsell team or a good upsell training on an in-house level. Does that happen? Does it play out like that? Not every. No, not really. Not not significantly. So there's there's a lot of training involved to make that happen. Um, And so with that said, you have to be thinking on a level. It's like okay, if you're an if you're an MD. Um, you've got to then start thinking how, how am I going to get my, my staff to do marketing and to upsell and to train, to know what to say, to build out that level of high trust with the client so that everybody doesn't sound like a, you know, used car salesman. Um, I see that all the time. I see people peddling services like they're literally like candy or like, and it's just cheap and it's just not. It it doesn't feel good. Um, This is a consultive sale. This is a, you know, let clients express their wants and needs and grow through their aesthetic, you know, type of just journey, if you will. Um, So to say, you know, I can package up three for this 99, whatever, and it's it's tough. It's tough to hear, and it makes me cringe a little bit. I was just at a show um, where there was, like, some of our competitors were – You know, they were displaying, it was a, it was a bridal show and they were there and they were doing like, like fun little, you know, games and stuff displaying, but it was that, that recruiter, I always say, like sits at the front of the booth and just wrangles people in, right? Well, she's over here saying, um, you know, and we can offer this and you can do this and these are your bridal packages and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's great. But it was like, there was no even question as to what, what you need what are you looking for? What are your goals? None of that. It was just like in this package, in this package, and you know, buy one, get one free and whatever. It was just kind of, again, not appealing. Um, if you're an MP or PA, again, this is uh, part of the process. If know what kind of marketing you are familiar with, you know, the MSO um, is a big part of that, your agreement, you know, what kind of stipulations are built into that? Is there a shared um, cost Are you marketing yourself um, in, your, in your space or are you marketing um, your, your spa? And in that case, it's part of the whole process is to make sure. And again, it comes down to, um, and we do have a whole like chapter on marketing that we offer and tons of training. We actually have a downloadable if you go to Loose Business L U Z Business. Dot com. Um, there is a marketing... Um, it's a very inexpensive marketing, uh, modern marketing, very modern. Um, some of the tools that are in the industry that you can download. Um, and there's tools that you can get. And this is this is to get you starting, you know, to get familiar with, with what's out there. Um, but also we do a an essentials piece where it really... It's like thriving in any economy kind of training that we offer. Um, and that is... Basically, the equivalent of spending a whole hour, you know, teasing out marketing and and survival mechanisms with me, um, we just made it downloadable because it's, we just get asked. Basically, it's to save us time. It, it, it's we get asked these questions all the time, and we get, um, you know, asked to consult and coach and all that. And so we we decided, okay, let's put um, a simple how to how to thrive in any economy kind of training out there. Um, and then also a little add-on, how to how to know what tools there are that are kind of new, modern, hip, and effective, especially with AI coming in. It's, it's actually an AI focused market uh, marketing training. So you can find those at looselounge.com um, and also on my website pattyrappa.com if you um, if you're looking for that kind of uh, DIY kind of training. But if you don't know then these um, on what level to you know, position yourself as an NP or the PA, you should be asking you know, a branding expert and that's something too that is always part of the conversation is like, are you branding the spa? Or are you branding yourself? And that's you know, a big question that you need to ask yourself. You know, think about the long game. Think about where you wanna sit in the long game. Um, how do you want to be known as the, the provider or do you wanna be known as the subject um, trainer um very two two entire different roles very important to know the difference in those roles and how those um those play out for you in the long run on a work-life balance especially if you plan to have you know special time for your family and those types of things because if you are the provider and you're always the one that's branded as a the provider then that's a hard one to unstick yourself from Um, but it's also one that you make more money doing long-term, um, because you can build an entire practice around yourself as a provider. Um, but if you're more of a trainer, you have more autonomy and flexibility and you can pick and choose your training projects. And so the money may not be, you know, as high end initially, but it's very steady and it's very high demand. And no matter what happens in the marketplace, you will always have people that you will want to learn from you. So there's, you know, there's job security, if you will. So there's different ways. And that's why it's important that you know how, you know, the marketing tools work. Again, we are slowly but surely updating our marketing segment because so much AI is coming into play. We just bought some really cool machines that does, you know, AI aging, kind of like what you see on those filters on, on TikTok, where you see your aged face and stuff, but there's a little bit more in depth, obviously it does, you know, a read on like the hydration levels you have and the the laxity of your skin and how well, you know, your, um, your collagen is upholding and all of that. So it gives you a full printout report. Um, and it's, it's giving us a lot of marketing angles because now we know it's like, okay, people are really, you know, striving to have this result, but they don't necessarily have, um, laxicity or they don't and we need to actually bring in products and services that help with that laxicity and so on so it helps to really build those types and you may also be looking at where do you want to specialize how do you want to specialize Um, and where do you want clients to you know stop with you and then trust your junior providers to take over those are all questions again how you market yourself and what you're familiar with is so critical because that's, you know, what's worse than to do a bunch of marketing for something that you truly don't wanna do. Don't see yourself doing long-term and now you're branded for it. And you're like, ah, now I gotta fill the, you know, fill that ticket. So no need to go, you know, into those extremes if you have a good forefront. So guys, I'm gonna wrap on that, that was a long one. Hopefully I did not overwhelm. You got some good pointers on how to, you know, really position yourself on a, you know, five, um, five Q and A level to really understand the partnership of the work, the, the collaborations, and how you workflow with your team, and the precautions that need to be taken um, before stepping into any type of environment and agreeing to you know be that person, whether you're the MD, the NP, the PA, or even the lead RN. Um, if you're just getting started and none of this applies to you, I hope you're taking good notes because I promise you, these are the questions that you should be asking down the road, uh, from your employer. And it's not a bad idea to ask them as you're getting hired. I promise you, if somebody asked me these kinds of questions, um, gives me, you know, some indication that they're thinking on this level, even if they're a newbie, I will be paying attention to that individual. And I will probably be wanting to groom that individual faster than everyone else. That's just kind of floating along. Right. So it makes sense to have this in your back pocket and really know that these are, you know, critical must haves for anyone, especially senior management that is going to be kind of trying to figure it all out. We all are, we're all trying to figure it out as we go. And it's just, um, going to be interesting. Anyhow, I'm going to wrap on that, guys. Thank you so much. I look forward to catching up with you again next time. Take care, everyone.